I'd like to preach to begin Matthew chapter number two. Matthew chapter number two. Uh, this last uh, Christmas day, I got up early and uh, read uh, read the scriptures, the normal commonplaces where it's read during the Christmas week. And the Lord gave me the outline for tonight in just a few minutes. It took a little longer than a few minutes to add meat to it. But Matthew chapter number two. Look there if you would. Uh, I'd like to read verse one and two if you'd follow as I read. Again, Matthew two, verse one and two. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for each one that's here. Lord, I know that some of our folks are away traveling, visiting family and friends. And Lord, we pray that you administer to their hearts where they're at. And again, Lord, we do pray, some of ours still under the weather, we think particularly of Tisha. And I pray that as they're doing a number of tests, trying to determine what it is, Lord, that she's dealing with helper, encourage her, give the doctors the answers, help them to know the right path to pursue and bringing her some remedy. And Lord, we pray that you would help us so often when we look into a familiar text. Lord, we kind of convince ourselves we already have exhausted that. Lord, there's nothing more to learn. We've seen it all. And Lord, we'll never have seen it all this side of heaven. Would you help us tonight? Direct our thoughts, direct my words, ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, normally we look at one or two places at Christmas time. Normally it's Matthew chapter 2, which is this one or it's Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 is, of course, when the shepherds were given the news that this baby Jesus was born. And here in Matthew chapter 2 is the wise men as they came uh, to visit this young child. And so that's normally the places that we go. And, uh, you know, after we look at this, we'll have our Bible trivia contest. Always do it a little bit different. Always a little bit of a variation every year. I know that some of our folks are so petrified of being asked specific questions about the Bible, some of them to avoid being asked, they're at home tonight. I'm glad that you didn't stay home. You can bluff your way through. We're going to have teams of at least two, so you don't have to be embarrassed by yourself. You can, you can share that. I'm of the opinion it's, opinion it's always a good thing to be challenged on what we know about the Bible. You know, many schools today, they automatically pass the students before any test is written. And that's because they're afraid if they test those students, it'll become obvious what they've not been taught. So we're not embarrassed at all about testing. I know that in our Bible Institute, we give quizzes and then we give an exam. And uh, I know that uh, other Bible Institutes, I know them, they never give a quiz. Talked to a preacher, if I mentioned his name, some of you would know. I said, you have a Bible institute. How many classes do you teach? He told me. I said, how often do you quiz? Never do. I said, you wait, and the entire thing is judged by one exam. Never an exam. I said, how do you measure how those students have learned what you've taught? And his answer was, well, we just figure if they sat in the class, that's all they needed. Well, how many people sit in a class, and that's more of the... They need more, so we'll look at some of that. But uh, Matthew chapter 2, again, it's a very familiar portion. 
And as I was reading about these wise men that came to visit Jesus, the word better came to mind. I'd like to preach on this title, Better Things Learned from the Wise Men. I hope some of you will take notes, and it'll all don't, but some do. Again, better things learned from the wise men. And I think we learn some better principles that would help anyone. Let's start there, first of all, in verse number one. The Bible says, now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. I think most of us are pretty familiar with the Christmas story and the birth of Christ, Caesar Augustus. He was the emperor that put out a decree that all of the uh, world should be taxed, and there was a census that would be taken. And all people were required to go to the birthplace that their lineage was. Joseph was of the house of David, and the city of David was Bethlehem. So Joseph had to travel from Nazareth, which was in Galilee, all the way to uh, Bethlehem, which is in Judea. And we know that when they got there, they found there was no room in the inn. And so they, that baby that night was born and laid in a manger. I know that almost all of the nativity scenes today have wise men in it. In fact, if you try to buy a nativity scene and say, I don't need the wise men, <laughs> they'll look at you in shock. Why would you only want to buy three quarters of the scene? You, you just try to tell them because the wise men didn't make it that, that night. Some will go ballistic. Pastor, how do you know that the wise men didn't make it that night? A couple of reasons. When Jesus was born, he was a babe in a manger. And yet here, look there if you would in Matthew chapter 2, in verse number 11. The Bible says, and when they, that's the wise men, were come into the house. It's not a stable anymore, now it's a house. Keep reading, they saw the young child. It's not a babe. It's a young child. We know a little later on in Matthew chapter 2, uh, sorry, in Luke chapter 2, after Jesus was born some days later, Mary had to bring a sacrifice for her purification. In Leviticus 12, it laid out very clearly what she was supposed to bring. If she couldn't afford to bring that, then Leviticus 12 gave a poorer woman's sacrifice. And when we read in Luke 2, she brought the poorer woman's sacrifice. These wise men brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. She would have been able to very easily afford the regular sacrifice if those wise men had already been there that night. So there's all kinds of reasons. But I want you to know, uh, very simply, the wise men didn't make it that night. How many are with me so far? Here's the first thing. If you'd write down, preacher, better things learn from the wise men. And the first better is better late than never. Would you write that down? That's a great truth. You know what they could have? If, if I understand the story right, the night that Jesus was born, that star appeared in the sky. So these wise men that were out in the east, I would suggest they saw the star the night that Jesus was born. 
they could have been 500 miles away. They could have been 1,000 miles away. They could have convinced themselves, we'll never make it this night. And yet they said, it would be better to be late than to not go at all. You know, I think that's a great principle. It's always better late than never. Having said that, it's always better early than late. But if you're going to be late, don't decide not to go. Decide to go anyway. It would be better to get saved when you're a child. But it would be better to get saved later in life than not get saved at all. So there are many people, I think many of us, have a testimony that when we were just children, we trusted Christ as your, our Savior. Excellent testimony to have. Say, preacher, I don't have that testimony because I never heard the gospel when I was a child, when I was a teen. Aren't you glad you got saved, even if it was later in life? I think it's better to surrender to the Lord later than not at all. Some people say, I'm 40, it's too late for me to surrender to God. I'm 60, it's too late for me to surrender to God. Moses surrendered to God at the age of 80. And how God used Moses at 80 years of age. So I say to you, the first better that we learn from these wise men is better late than never. I have met people through the many years that I've been saved, and they trumpet this statement, I'm always early, always early. That's a very good statement. But some of the people that brag that they're always early, I'm going to say to church, always early, always early to church. If you check their track record, they're not at church three times a week. And so if you ask them, where were you Sunday night? Well, I had to work and I got home at 6.30 and I knew if I came to church at 6.30 that I'd be late. So you decided it would be better not to come to church at all instead of coming to church late. I'm saying better late than never. These wise men are to be commended that even though they knew they couldn't make it the night that Jesus was born, they came anyway. So whatever it is that you're debating, deciding, you say, well, preacher, I just can't because I didn't get a head start on it better late than ever. I give you a second better that we find in the text. Look there, if you would, in Matthew chapter 2 and verse 2, saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Now, if, if you check the text, they are called wise men. Tradition would tell us, and you can't always trust tradition, but tradition would tell us they were not only wise men, but they each were kings. So these wise men were actually kings in their own realms. They were kings in their own kingdoms. And yet, look here at verse number two. They asked this question in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? 
for we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Hold on a minute, they're already kings. You know what? They recognized even though we are kings, there is a greater king than I. Even though we are in our realms, the chief chiefs, we recognize that in this world there's someone that's even better than I. I'll word it this way. The second better thing learned from the wise men is there is a better king than I. You know, this world gives the opinion, and they do it through sports, and they do it through a number of mediums, that uh, you have to be the best. And if you're not the absolute best at what you do, you don't count. And the truth is, these men were kings in their own realm. They recognized that there was a better king than I. I I know that I'm not the best pastor. I'm trying my very best to be the best pastor that I can be. But I recognize there are better pastors than I. I know that I'm not the greatest preacher. I know that there are preachers that are greater than I. And yet I'm trying to be the very best preacher that I can. I know that there are better teachers. And yet again, I recognize that my responsibility is to be the best teacher I am. You might not be the best Christian. There might be better Christians than you. You might not be the best soul winner. There might be better soul winners than you. Say, Pastor, why would you make that a better principle? Because these wise men who in their kingdoms were the best king that their kingdom had, they had no struggle with acknowledging that Jesus was a better king than them. And therefore, they made the trip to worship a better king. How different King Herod was. When King Herod heard the news that there was another king, what did King Herod decide he needed to do? Kill him. If you think you are the best, if you think that you are the only one and no one can do it better than you, then you're going to try to rub out the competition. (laughs) You're going to try to destroy the competition. Uh, You that play instruments, and thank God for those that play instruments in our church, there's probably someone somewhere that can play that instrument better than you. If you have the right attitude that there are better piano players than I, then you're going to try to get around those people that know how to play it better and learn from them and glean from them. On the other hand, if you think you're the best piano player that there is and no one else can play piano better than you, you will do everything you can to assassinate that person's character. Cut them down, destroy them, criticize them. So when you find somebody that's critical of somebody else that's trying to do the very best that they can, remind yourself they do that because they think that they're the best at everything that they do. So the second principle that we find here is there is a better king than I.
I give you a third better that we learn. Look there in Matthew chapter 2 and verse 2. These wise men, when they got to Jerusalem, saying, where is he that is born a king of the Jews? Question, did the wise men know where Jesus was born? From verse 2. No, they didn't know. They had no idea. Then look there in verse number 3. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Israel with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. Question, in verse 3 and 4, did King Herod know where Jesus was born? Neither did. You know in this passage who did? Well, look at the very next verse, verse 5, sorry, verse 4. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, and now Bethlehem in the land of Judah art not thou the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. The wise men didn't know where Jesus was born because they didn't know all the scriptures. King Herod didn't know where Jesus was born because King Herod didn't know the scriptures. The chief priests and scribes, they knew where Jesus was born because they knew the scriptures. So write this third thing, if you would. Better is he who knows the scriptures. Better is he who knows the scriptures. You see, when the wise men asked the king, where is he that is born king of the Jews, he could have deceived them, and they wouldn't have known. When the king asked the chief priests and scribes, where is he that is born king of the Jews, they could have deceived King Herod. I'm saying to you, better is he again, better is he who knows the scriptures how many people attend churches in this city where they're discouraged from reading the Bible? And therefore, all the spiritual truth that they know is what somebody else tells them. It would be better if they knew the scriptures for themselves. Roman Catholics teach their people that they can pray to Mary, and Mary can get them closer to God. You and I that know the scriptures know that there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. JWs are taught that if they live right, they could be one of the 144,000 chosen witnesses. We who know our Bible know that they couldn't because every one of those witnesses is a Jew. They're all male, they're all virgins, and they're all in the tribulation period. So I'm saying to you that if you don't know the scriptures, you can be deceived very easily. These wise men could potentially have been deceived because they didn't know the scriptures. Herod could have been deceived. So again, I say to you, the third better that we find is better as he who knows the scriptures. Uh, very interesting verse. Keep your hand in Matthew. I, I, I've thought about this verse for years. And uh, maybe I got a little handle on it this week. Hopefully it's right. Uh, we'll be right back at Matthew, so don't lose that. But look there in John chapter 5. John chapter 5, Jesus is saying to some people that have gathered around him, search the scriptures, for in them ye think 
ye have eternal life. Well, we know that eternal life is not a think so or a hope so, it's no so, we know that. But Jesus is speaking to some people who were somewhat confident of eternal life. And they thought it was in the scripture somewhere. But they had no idea where. And there's a lot of people today, I hate to say it, but even in Baptist churches that have all kinds of thoughts. And if you ask them, why do you believe that? Well, I know it's in the Bible somewhere. (laughs) Well, where? I don't know. And Jesus said, search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life. It's far better to know the scriptures. Read it, read it. Let it, uh, let it flow through you and change you. Uh, back there to Matthew chapter number 2. So we're looking at some better things here. Learn from the wise men. First, better late than ever. Second, there is a better king than I. Third, better is he who knows the scriptures. But look there again in Matthew chapter 2, verse 5. And they, that's the chief priests and scribes. And they said unto him in Bethlehem of Judea, For thus it is written by the prophet, and thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not not the least of among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall be a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Clearly, the chief priests and scribes knew, Micah chapter 5, verse 2. And yet, when the wise men packed up their things and began to head from Jerusalem to Bethlehem, shouldn't we be seeing the chief priests and scribes packing their backpacks and traveling too? But to the chief priests and scribes, it was just knowledge in their head. They didn't act upon it. They didn't obey it. They didn't follow it. They didn't pursue it. Would you write the fourth thing that's better? Better is the doer of the word than the knower. Better is the doer of the word than the knower. So, so God bless you if you know the scriptures. God bless you if tonight you bat a thousand on the Bible trivia. But do you do a thousand? Or is it just knowledge in your head? The chief priests and scribes were a step ahead of the wise men and King Herod because they knew the scriptures. But they now were a step behind the wise men because even though they knew what the scripture said, it didn't change their life whatsoever. I wonder how many Christians we could go up and talk to and and, and ask, Sir, do you know that you're supposed to be the head of your home? You're supposed to lead the way and lead the charge and set the example and love your wife Yeah, I know the Bible says that. Do you do it? Oh, no, not really. Well, better is he that doeth the scriptures than just knows it. If we ask some Christian wives, the Bible says, submit yourselves unto your husbands. And they say, yeah, I know that. I know it's found in Ephesians 6. I know it's found in Colossians 4. Do you do it? Folks, so many Christians, they know what they're supposed to do, but they don't do it. The wise men were better. As soon as they heard Micah chapter 5, verse 2, man, they packed their things, let's go.
I give you yet another one, the fifth one. Look there, Matthew 2 and verse 7. Matthew 2 and verse 7. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the start appeared. Do you know, I know that we're at a disadvantage at this moment because we know the rest of the story. But if we didn't know the rest of the story, wouldn't you have to admire Herod when he heard that there was a king that was born? The Bible says that he diligently inquired. He began to ask all the right questions. He began to show that he had the, an interest in some things that he didn't yet know. But wait, he said, preacher, we almost commend him. He wasn't asking those questions to help Christ. He was asking those questions to hurt Christ. In fact, look at verse 16. Keep that word diligent in your mind. Matthew 2, verse 16, Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and all the coasts thereof from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. There's that word diligent again. His diligence wasn't to help Christ. His diligence was only to hurt Christ. Would you write this down? The, better, uh, the fifth better thing learned from the wise men is better is he who doesn't use the scriptures to hurt Christ. Again, better is he who doesn't use the scriptures to hurt Christ. Herod was diligent with the scriptures, but not to get closer to God, not to learn more about Christ. He was diligent about the scriptures so he could find the exact place that he could find this child to kill this child. It reminds me of, listen, when you and I read the Bible, you know what we ought to be looking for? How we can learn more about God and the character of God and the love of God and the grace of God. We ought to learn so we understand more the characteristics of our God. We ought to read the Bible so that we can find out how to better please the Lord, what the Lord wants in our life. You know, not everybody that reads the Bible has that motive. There are some that they read the Bible, they're looking for mistakes. There are some when they read the Bible, they're looking for errors. There's some, when they read the Bible, they're looking for a way to justify what they're already doing. Now, the verse, you know, drink no longer water, but take a little wine for thy stomach's sake. Every wine no. Has that one memorized? He didn't memorize it so that he could draw closer. He memorized it to justify what he wanted to do. These wise men were better. They weren't looking in the scriptures to find a way to hurt Christ. And when we approach the Bible, Lord, teach me something that will help me to be more like you. Do you know anyone who spends endless hours in the scriptures 
but it's not to find ways to walk closer with Christ. They're trying to find ways to be critical of Christ. I give you the sixth thing. Pastor, how many have you got? Seven. So we're almost done. Sixth thing, look there in Matthew 2 and verse 2. Matthew 2 and verse 2. Uh, these wise men, they're in Jerusalem, saying, verse 2, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. And so we're familiar with that. They, they live out there in the east, wherever east happens to be, however far away that happens to be. And uh, they, they see this star up in the sky. I, I think that they were familiar with some scripture. In fact, let me show you a verse I think that they recognized and that set them on this trip. Uh, Numbers chapter 23. Uh, make it Numbers 24. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Again, Numbers chapter 24. And so I, I think they had access to some scripture. Obviously, they didn't have Micah 5 verse 2. And that's why they showed up in Jerusalem. If they had Micah 5 2, they would have showed up in Bethlehem. Uh, but uh, look there in Numbers 24, Balaam up on top, one of these mountains makes this prophecy. Numbers 24 and verse 17, I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star, that's the word, a star out of Jacob, and a scepter. A scepter is always a statement of leadership and rulership. And a scepter shall rise out of Israel. So if indeed they had Numbers 24, 17, they were looking for this star that was associated with a ruler out of Israel. And so back there in Matthew 2, while they were in the east, they saw this star. It seems after they saw this star, all of a sudden they stopped seeing it. The light went out. Now, I'll show you that in a minute, because later we find the star appeared again. So if the star appeared again, at some point in their journey, that star wasn't appearing anymore. The star is a picture of light, and so when they're there in the east, God gives them light on something. God gives them understanding on a verse in Numbers 24. God gives them truth, but then the light goes out. Well, you know what? They could have decided, well, we're not going anywhere till we get the rest of the light, till we get the rest of the story, till we get the rest of the revelation. But they didn't do that. They said, we are going to follow the light that God's already given us. And so from the time that that star went out, Instead of staying and sitting like bumps on a log and saying, Lord, you're going to have to show me more, or not, I'm not moving at all. They said, Lord, if that's what Numbers was talking about, there is a ruler, and there's a ruler in Israel, and this star indicates the coming of that ruler. And so with that little amount of light, they decided, then we're going to go to Israel. If this ruler is of Israel and comes out of Israel, then it must be in Israel where this ruler is coming from. They decide where in Israel. Let's go to the capital. Let's go to Jerusalem. 
That's why they showed up in Jerusalem. You and I would say, well, why didn't they show up in Bethlehem? They didn't have light on that information. All they had was this star was associated with a ruler of Israel. <coughs> Here's my sixth thing. The sixth better thing learned from the wise men is better, <coughs> excuse me, better to trust God in the dark times. <coughs> better to trust God, God in the dark times. Say, preacher, <coughs> I don't know what God's doing in my life. Pastor, my whole, <coughs> excuse me, my whole life has been turned upside down. <coughs> Why don't you follow the light that God's already given you? Why don't you obey the truth that God's already shown you? Yeah, but it's all darkness. Yeah, but he gave you enough light that in your darkness, you still have some things you can do. You still have some steps that you can take. You still have a path that ought to lead you to Israel. Start on that path. Even with all of the unanswered questions and so sure enough, they do. And they decide we're going to go to Jerusalem. That's the capital of Israel. <coughs> and that's why they show up to the king, King Herod, in Jerusalem. And they ask in verse 2, where is he that is born king of the Jews? And the king says, no idea. <laughs> so the king asks chief priests and scribes, and they say, well, we'll tell you where. There's a verse in Micah 5, verse 2. We've known it for years and years and years. It's in Bethlehem. As soon as those wise men hear that it's in Bethlehem, God has now given them a little more light. He's given them the next step. They just still don't have all the rest of it figured out. But God has shown them just a little bit. God has opened that grape just a wee little bit. And when they decide, then we're going to go to Bethlehem, if that's the next step, Lord, I don't know the following seven steps Look what happens there in Matthew chapter 2. Verse number 9. And when they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star, which they saw in the east, went before them. Hold on a minute. They hadn't seen that star since they were lived back in the east. The light went out. But they followed the amount of truth that God had given them when they went just absolutely as far as they could to that palace in Jerusalem. And when God gave them Micah 5 verse 2, they said, then that's the next step. Pretty obvious that's what we need to do. And as soon as they obeyed the next piece of light, the star shows up. Folks, I have. I can't claim to know what's, what's ahead in your life any more than I can claim to know what's ahead in mine. All I know is God has given us enough light. Just obey what you've got. And if it looks like everything ahead of you is still dark, trust in the light that he's already given. Verse number 11, sorry, verse number 10. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. That must mean that until they saw the star again, it wasn't always joy. It wasn't always great joy. It wasn't always exceeding great joy. 
but they still follow. It, it's, preacher, are you saying it's a happy, happy, happy life? <laughs> when you don't have all the answers? No. It make make a whole lot more sense. God gave us the end from the beginning. He knows it. So I say sixth better is uh, better to trust God in the dark times. And uh, finally, look there in Matthew 2, verse 11. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him uh, gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Not only did these wise men travel from the east to worship this king, but they traveled with gifts to give to this king. I wonder if someone along that path said, what do you mean you're giving gold? He's already a king. He's probably got plenty of gold. What do you mean you're going to give this new king frankincense? He's a king. He's probably got all the frankincense that there is room to have. What do you mean you're going to give him gifts of myrrh? He's probably got plenty. He's probably got myrrh times ten. Just forget the gifts. He's probably got all that he they know. These gifts aren't given because he needs them. These gifts were given because he's worthy. And folks, when we give of what we have, finances and talents and abilities and time, it's not because God can't do it without our little gifts. It's given because he's worthy. He saved our soul. He's promised us a home in heaven. And I see the last thing is better to give to God your very best. Better to give to God your very best. A lot of folks, maybe they think it's okay to give God their leftovers. I would suggest to you that you want to give God your very best. And maybe those kings that brought those gifts thought, I don't know what this new king will ever need our gifts for. But look at verse 13, Matthew 2, verse 13. I'll make it verse 12. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed in their own country another way. That's wise men. Look at verse 13. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeareth to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. And he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night, and departed into Egypt. They probably had no idea how important these gifts that they gave would be to help Christ to get further. He had to get to Egypt. His parents didn't have the finances to bring a regular purification offering. They were so poor, they had to bring a poor person's purification offering. These wise men didn't know that. They probably were looking for this new king born in a palace they had no idea that their gifts would help Jesus go further.
And folks, when you and I give our very best, we have no idea how us giving of our very best will help the work of Christ to go further. I don't know, I don't know of anyone that will get to heaven who will say, I gave too much. I think there will be people that say, I wish I had given him more. Seven things that are better. We've looked better late than never. We've seen there's a better king than I. Better is he who knows the scriptures. Better is the doer of the word than the knower. Better is he who doesn't use the scriptures to hurt Christ. Better to trust God in the dark times. And better to give to God your very best. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for these wise men. And Lord, uh, traditionally, we know they didn't make it that night. But Lord, they're to be commended. They knew they weren't going to make it that night. But they went anyway. And Lord, help us to do right because it's right to do right anyway. And Lord, if our life right now seems to be in a tunnel of darkness, help us to do what you've already shown us to do and then trust you for the rest of the way. Whichever one of these betters each of us needed to be reminded the most, help us in this next year ahead to do it better. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.